the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging word. For our time of corporate reading, we will read Nehemiah chapter 5, verses 1 through 8. When you're there, if you have a Bible and so on, please turn to it and stand. It is our tradition to stand in honor as we read God's word. Nehemiah chapter 5, verse 1 through 8. Now there was a great outcry of the people of their wa- and their wives against their Jewish brothers. For there were those who said, We, our sons, our daughters, are many. Let us get grain that we might eat and live. And there were others who said, We are mortgaging our fields, our vineyards, our houses, that we might get grain because of the famine. Also there were those who said, We have borrowed money for the king's taxes on our fields and our vineyards. Now our flesh is like the flesh of our brothers, our children like their children. Yet behold, we are forcing our sons and our daughters to be slaves, and some of our daughters are forced into bondage already, and we are helpless because our fields and vineyards belong to another. Then I was very angry, that is Nehemiah, very angry when I heard their outcry and these words. I consulted with myself and contended with the nobles and the rulers and said to them, You are exacting usury, each from his brother. Therefore I held a great assembly against them. And I said to them, We, according to our ability, have redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the nations. Now, would you even sell your brothers that they may be sold to us? You may be seated. So as per my preferred style, we will take this sort of verse by verse, and then we will approach a theological truth from it and a practical truth from it as well. So orthodoxy followed by orthopraxy. If you don't know what that is, look on your phone. I'm sure you can ask Suri to define that for you. Okay. First thing we discover in verse 1 is that the situation is serious. There is a great outcry. There's a bunch of people upset about this issue. So much so, it says this, even their wives 
Okay? Now, you guys know, if you know much about the Old Testament, ladies aren't predominant there. They, they become that way in the New Testament. But in the Old Testament, they say, look it, not only were the, official, the men going officially to address this issue, it was out into the community where the wives and everyone else was going, hey, we've had about enough of this. Why? Their babies were going hungry. That'll stir up any mama. Okay? So the primary problem is just that, a lack of food. But part of the reason for this lack of food is we, our sons and daughters, are many. In other words, they had big families to feed. Okay? So that's part of the issue. The other part is for two months, the people have been busy rebuilding the walls. And if you recall, Nehemiah, to keep you all safe, don't go back out to your farms. Stay in the city. And we know it took 52 days, so about two months to do this. Who's working the farm? Okay? And, and that's just not my opinion. Most scholars believe these two things contributed to this, this famine that they're talking about, this shortage. Okay? But then there's an ancillary issue or problem. That is taxes. Artaxerxes' grandfather, Darius, okay, had created a tax system in the Persian Empire. Before that, they had a little different, but he's the one that sort of invents this. And you remember me talking about how um, Herodias actually kept track of? Now, Herodias is, lived, is born about 20, 25 years after this date. So he's very contemporary. And he lists how much taxes Artaxerxes collected. Anybody remember talking about that? Xerxes collected. And then how Alexander the Great pillaged several of the treasuries, the billions of dollars in today's money that was in those. Okay? Well, that tax system was based on what land produced, whether it's livestock, natural resources, or produce, grains, wheats, corns. Okay? Now, I literally do, because I'm not going to say why. This, I know, camera here, this. This is a bibliography of all the things I read. I am not making this up. Okay? A lot of them secular articles on the historicity of this tax. So I'm not making that up. I'm, a lot of it is re supported outside of Scripture. So the, the satrapy or provinces around Persia's capital, they paid their taxes and gift in kind. Uh, wheat. Sheep, okay? Little hard to transport, large amounts of this. So once you got outside those, they paid in silver. Except for India or Indus, they played in gold. Everybody else had to pay their taxes in silver. Okay? Now, the Jewish economy had gone to pot, okay, because of the exile. There's not a lot of people living in Jerusalem. They don't have... The Jews don't have a cash system. It's a barter system at this point. I trade my wheat for your sheep or whatever, okay? But they had to get the cash to pay the king's taxes, all right? So we find out that some of the more well-to-do Jewish gentlemen, they call them nobles and rulers, okay, um, said to the, well, I, you know, I have the coin, the silver. Uh, 
you got any collateral? I'll lend your taxes to you. Borrowing for your taxes, that's a great idea. Anyway, um, I'll lend it to you, but what do you got as collateral? So they makes them put up their houses, their fields, and so on as collateral, and it charged them 1% interest. Okay, that's a low rate. Nobody argues that. How do I know that? Because the text tells us. Okay, all right. That's, that's a tough one. When the people that are living around you want to help you, but it's going to cost you. Okay? To the point as, you've got to realize in those days, if it comes to the point, now, now I've mortgaged my field, I've mortgaged my vineyard, my house, and taxes, there's still taxes are due every year. Uh, we're not sure exactly how often they were collected, but in our culture, we know it's every year. To the point where now I don't have those things and I have to mortgage my kids, that's what we'll call it. You, you can give one of your nice, young, healthy sons or daughters to the other fellow to work off the debt. It's called an indentured servant. Many of the early people who came to the United States, or in those days, North America, they weren't even really colonies altogether, were indentured servants. Okay? So that's to pay off the debt. And that's talked about in Exodus and Deuteronomy um, extensively. Okay? And it says, we're going to have to do this. In fact, some of our daughters we've already had to give away. Not my house. You come from my daughter, we're going to have a problem. Okay? This makes Nehemiah very angry. Okay? That's verse 7. And, and I like what it says here. <laughs> he gets very angry. Then it says, and I consulted with myself. Let me put that in English. I took time to calm down and think about it. Okay? That's a good idea when you're angry, isn't it? Consult yourself a bit. Get yourself aside, think about it before you speak and do anything. All right? Once he's done that, he contends with the nobles and the rulers. Contend means you can look it up yourself in, in uh, Brown, Driver, and Briggs lexicon. Okay, if you want, because that's a free one. Even if it's so old, you can get that without copyright. You don't have to pay for that. Okay, you can get it in eSword. Um, but it means to bring a lawsuit against, to bring a case against. So he comes to them first, and he realizes something, which you'll get to in a second. And if you think about it, you're probably already there. Here's the charge against them. You ready? You are exacting usury or interest each against his brother. You're charging your fellow Jewish brothers interest. That's the charge. The charge isn't you took their land. Okay. So normally, when you go to court in their culture, if you can say that, you had the case, it would be the nobles and the rulers who hear the case, who adjudicate. The, the problem is these are the ones has the charge against them. So he gathers a great assembly of the people. Now realize, some of these people are the ones that are being charged the interest. Some of these people are the ones that had to put up their land as collateral, okay? So he gets this great assembly together. Well, the reason that he brings this particular charge against the nobles and the rulers is because it's against the Mosaic law. Exodus chapter 22 and verse 25 tells them, quit acting like creditors to your brothers. Don't charge them interest. And if you take something that's needed for their daily provision, in this particular instance, it's talking about a cloak, 
Okay? As collateral, make sure you give them back quick because they'll freeze to death without the coat at night. Or Let me put it on. If it's an essential thing, they can't last very long without it. Make sure you get it back to them right away. It doesn't say get it back to them if they pay you. Okay? Deuteronomy 23, 19 through 20. Do not charge interest to your countrymen or your brethren. Interest on money or interest on food or anything that may be loaned that you would consider, think about loaning on interest. You may charge interest to the foreigner. But to your countrymen, you shall not charge interest so that if you got that in your Bible, you got your Bible out or you got a gadget that you can highlight on. Would you please highlight so that don't do this because so that here's a consequence to not doing that, to not charge them. OK, so that the Lord, your God, may bless you and all that you undertake. In other words, if you do this, I'm not going to bless you in what you undertake. Okay? Leviticus, again, we're in 25, 35 through 37. If your brother becomes poor and cannot maintain himself, you are to support him. As though he were a stranger or a sojourner. He shall, what does he mean by that? He shall live with you. Do or take no entrance from interest from him or profit, but fear your God. That your brother may live beside you and you shall not lend him your money at interest or give him your food for profit. When he's poor, don't sell it to him. Give it to him, food. And if he's homeless, invite him to live at your house. This is a brother. This is a fellow Jew in this particular case. That's how they're supposed to be doing this. Not taking their houses. If you do, you got to put them up. I, this reminds me of Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 it's day of Pentecost. All kinds of people are in Jerusalem. All kinds of Jews from all over the world. And if you recall, Peter preaches, 5,000 people come to Christ. They don't live in Jerusalem. It says they've come in from all over. Right? If you read the text, read the text, this idea of having all things in common and putting people, that was all those people that were from out of town. Yours only 120 people in the upper room to start with. They got to put up and feed 5,000. That's the context where you see that phrase, they had all things in common and shared. That's not socialism. That's taking care of the Jewish brothers who were from out of town. Okay? So if you want to live by New Testament, uh, keep, yeah, 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 sorry. I see people take that out of context all the time and it frustrates me when they do that okay by the way if we kept reading there in Leviticus 25 down to verse 30 and 40 you will find that that person is supposed to work while they're staying with you they don't just come to your house sit there and you do all the dishes and the cooking they're supposed to actually help the work around the house when they're with you okay Psalms 15 1 through 5 gives a list of actions of a righteous person 
a righteous person does not charge interest to a brother. You know, I be, had been part of a denomination for years, and I find it intriguing that denominations actually ignore this, most of them. Okay? So you're in church A in denomination A, all right? And you need a roof. They will lend you the money to redo the roof that they own. According to the Supreme Court, doesn't matter who paid for the local building. It belongs to the denomination. And you've got to borrow money from them at interest to put a roof on the building they, loan, they own. That's just not Bible, folks. Uh, yeah, I know. That's, I can't wait for the emails on that one. Okay? And Ezekiel 18, 10 through 13, lists several sins. Okay? Including idol worship, idolatry, theft, not keeping your promise to pay someone, and charging interest. When you walk into a place, you sign a piece of paper for a service or to purchase something, and you don't pay it, the Bible calls that sin because you're breaking a vow. Okay? In Ezekiel 22, okay, talks this. You have, he's accusing the people, you have taken interest against your brethren, therefore you have forgotten me. Behold, then I will strike with my hand your prophet which you have made. You don't want God on the economic other side of you. Okay? Now, I'm going to be frank. If you're, if you're Nehemiah, you're going, he's the governor. He wants the economy to flourish, I'm sure. Well, we'll see at the end of the chapter he does. When he recognizes, wait a minute, if you're doing this, God will strike our economy. You can't do this. Just from a practical standpoint, Deuteronomy 15, there's a lot in Deuteronomy 15, 10 through 11. You shall generously give to him, that is your brother in need, and your heart shall not begrudgingly be begrudgingly when you give. In Paul's New Testament terms, you should be a cheerful giver. You shouldn't be begrudging. Well, I'm going to take care of the poor. Okay. Notice who's taking care of the poor here. Neighbors, friends, the church, not the government. Used to be that way, right? The orphan and the widow was taken care of by... Yeah. Okay. Because for this thing, the Lord God will bless you in all your work and in all your undertaking. For the poor will not cease to exist in the land. I know that there was a president named LBJ thought he could eliminate poverty. He didn't read his Bible. I'm sorry, there's always going to be poor. Okay, doesn't mean you don't try to take care of them though. Therefore, I am commanding you. You shall fully open your hand to your brother, to your needy, and to your poor in the land. That's a command. Nehemiah knew the word as well. All those are from the, the Pentateuch, the, the things Moses wrote, besides the ones in Ezekiel. So he knew those and were well of the other ones, I'm sure. Okay? So, so he understood the law. And here he is. He's got the assembly of the people together. He makes this accusation in a public hearing. 
let this be. When the leaders are being questioned, you don't have the court behind closed doors. It's a public hearing. You can't let the judges judge the judges. Let me put it on. Congressmen shouldn't be investigating congressmen. Why? Because later you're going to investigate me, and so we're going to play this thing. I know, they're just they're human beings. It's normal. Okay? It's like two kids. If you don't tell mom that I, I won't tell them that you did, right? I'm sure you never did that as a kid. Probably just me, you know. But he doesn't say, well, let's have a meeting of the nobles and let's work this out. Let's keep it quiet. And, and we'll let the public know what we decide later. This is a public, a great public, hearing in that regard. And he said to them, these are the charges he levels in the assembly, verse 8. We, according to our ability, have redeemed our Jewish brothers who were sold to the land. So, ready? We've had Jews that were in servants, whether indentured or otherwise, to other nations. We have purchased them back. They have been redeemed. Now, would you sell your brother that they might be sold to us? Did you catch that? Nehemiah to say that they would be sold to you. No, 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 no. Us. There's a corporate responsibility in this mess. Now, I, I let you know, the law of Moses does allow for, like I said, for indentured servitude or slavery. Exodus 21. For only six years. On the seventh year, the debt was supposed to be forgiven if it wasn't covered by the, their labor. And then when you let them go, so, so we'll, we'll assume here Robert here owes me, he can't pay me, well, come to work for me then to pay off your debt. You don't get to live in your house. You've got to come and live in my house, follow my rules. You're not free to leave. You've got to stay here. But at the end of six years, when I, his debt's forgiven, I'm supposed to send him out with coin, sheep, produce, and so on. I'm not supposed to, well, your debt's paid. Go out and try to make it. Now, wait a minute. He's been working for me and living in my house for six years. I feed him. He's going to go back to what? So you're supposed to send him away so he can have another start again. Okay, that's in the Mosaic Law. Why were you supposed to do this? Because it says in the text there in Exodus and in Deuteronomy. Okay, so you would remember that you too were once in bondage and have been redeemed. You've been forgiven of your... You need to remember. That's why you treat them that way. It's a symbol or a reflection of what God did for you when he brought you out of Egypt. Now, we all know the symbolic nature of that, I hope. Verse 9. The thing which you are doing is not good. Should you not walk in fear of our God? What you're doing is not good? Because it's against what God said to do and what God has done when he delivered you out of Egypt. And it is a reproach to the nations around them. 
When a nation looks at you and sees you behave just like they do? There's a news story. Um, Major League Baseball player. It was just out last week. Uh, he's filing for a divorce, so the papers have come out, all right? He uh, and his wife throw a big birthday party for their pastor. At the party, pastor and his wife get a little tipsy, uh, dance in a way that the baseball player goes, uh, that ain't right. So the baseball player investigates and finds out that his wife's been having a relationship with the pastor. You know when I say here that, see that story? He says, man, that sure sounds like a normal, old, everyday secular party, doesn't it? You look just like the world around you, and then you act surprised when things come out like it does for the world around you. Hey, 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 Jewish folks. You're not supposed to be like these other nations. You're supposed to be different. I'm not even going to all the New Testament passages to tell us to do the same. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Romans 1. We can go on. All right. And likewise, verse 10, I and my brothers, my servants, are lending them money and grain. Please let us leave off usury. In other words, he's saying, look, there are plenty of us that are helping these people and aren't doing this. We're not telling you to, pra uh, to practice let me put it another way. We're not practicing what we don't preach. Excuse me. We're not preaching what we don't practice. That's better. Okay, we are actually practicing what we're telling you to do. That's better. I finally got it out there. So Nehemiah, it tells us here that they're lending money and grain for those who are struggling, but he's not charging them any interest or demanding collateral. Okay, and you'll see even further at the end of the chapter where he talks about that. So as they present this case before the public assembly, Nehemiah gives a judgment. Now listen, please give back to them this very day their fields, their vineyards, their olive groves, and their houses, and a hundredth part of the money and the grain. The interest, a hundredth part, that, the interest. So I want you to give them back the interest, and I want you to give them back what they put up for collateral. Notice he doesn't say they're free from their debt because they made a vow to pay. So they got to do that. But they got to have a place to live. They got a way to have a way to eat and raise money. Give that and you give them back the interest. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC, P.O. Box 32, Nampa, Idaho, 83653. Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.